Let's admit it, there are parts of Christmas that are hard. It's a busy season, there's a lot going on. If you're a parent, then you're trying to do all the right things for your kids so that they get all the right experiences. You're trying to get out that Christmas card. Some things tend to not go exactly as you plan them to go. I've got a picture of our oldest. This was when he was about 18 months old. This was one of our first Santa pictures. Not exactly how we expected it to go. You had this idea of how it was going to look and he was going to be excited. Uh, we've been doing our kids' crazy Christmas show. We've got three more of those this afternoon and this evening, if you haven't been to that. Little kids love it. One of the things that we, actually adults love it too, but one of the things that we have outside as people are walking in is they have uh, a dressed up person as Frosty and a dressed up person as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it's a coin flip whether or not children love those people and want to go hug them and take a picture or they're terrified of those people. It's one or the other. It's, it's never, it's always one extreme or the other. Christmas is a hard time for our tech team. It's always hard for our tech team. Uh, but I saw this picture, which is an interesting picture because someone sent this picture out because they were mocking the tech team. They're like, don't they know how to spell? But what's interesting about how they spell Noel up there is they're not really wrong because the word Noel, back in 1823, I think, when they first published the song, was spelled like that. So some hipster tech guy was like, I'm going to go old school. Do you even know what the word Noel means? I mean, we sing it all the time, Noel, Noel, like, oh, that's beautiful. You actually know what the word Noel means. I actually didn't. And so I went back and looked it up. So Noel uh, comes, that's the English version of it, comes from the French word Noel, which means uh, Christmas, which comes from the Latin word of Noel, which means birthday or to be born, um, which kind of when you're singing that, Noel, Noel, no, it's kind of an odd thing to sing. But, you know, it's, it's pretty and it's classic, and so we sing that, right? Uh, then this picture was really interesting to me because it shows that even at Christmas time, there's an opportunity for companies to try and steal your money away in some way, shape, or another. I, I can imagine that this conversation... After Easter, somebody said, man, we have got a lot of chocolate bunnies left over. What are we going to do with all these things? And some intern said, you know, they look kind of like reindeer. And if we can just hold on to them for nine months, we could just package them again. People like chocolate. They don't know the difference. Let's just roll with this thing. And, and I think that's what, what happened. Probably the most unfortunate picture I saw was a, a school that they decided to do a breakfast with Santa Except how you spell Santa is really, really important because you, you mess that spelling up. And man, nobody is going to show up to that breakfast. Or anybody that is signed up for that breakfast, you probably don't want there to begin with. If you've got your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 2. It's a busy season. There's a lot about season, this season that can be difficult, a lot can go wrong, a lot can be frustrating. And so what I want to look at this morning is how we can maximize this season. How is it that this Christmas season, which always feels like it goes by really, really fast, and the entire year of 2020 has gone by really, really slow, and so maybe this one isn't going quite as fast, but Christmas tends to be here and then it's gone. And so how do we maximize it? How do we be intentional with our Christmas? 
I want to look at the story of the shepherds and how they experience Christmas and the ways that we can learn from how they experience Christmas. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8. What's interesting is Jesus has just been born. This is a really, really big deal, obviously. And you can imagine that making the announcement about the birth of God to the world is a really important announcement. Who then would God choose as the very first people in all the world that we know about, according to Scripture, that they would make the announcement to? And it's this group of shepherds. Luke 2, verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It's a combination of fear, probably being slightly terrified of what's going on, but it's the revealing of the holiness of God. And so they're feared of the angel of the Lord. It's, it's a, a bigger fear than just being scared. It says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds experienced Christmas. Shepherds Culturally, at that time, you've probably heard it talked about before, they were very lowly, they weren't educated. They were the lowest level of society. They were considered ceremonially unclean, which in our context doesn't mean anything. But in the first century, if you were Jewish and you were ceremoniously unclean, that means that you couldn't come in contact with anybody else. If you came in contact with someone who was ceremonially unclean, it would mean that you were ceremonially unclean and you'd have to go through that process to become clean again. And so they were separated away. They were on the fringes, the rejects in one sense of culture. And so this group that was on the lowest tier that culture had, not wealthy, no social influence, that is the group that God decides would be the first to hear of the birth of the Savior of the world. Why? God wanted the world to know that man's social standing doesn't matter to God. The things that we squabble about and fight for and work on of what makes me more important than somebody else or what are these things that I'm striving to accomplish that from an eternal perspective of God, they just don't matter. That my worth and your worth is not determined in God's eyes by what I accomplish, but by what he has already accomplished in me and that is my creator, that 
God looks down on the shepherds and as a way of declaring worth to his creation, to all the world, God makes a beautiful announcement. There's three responses that we see clearly in the shepherds. Three responses that if you and I will replicate these responses, it's how we maximize this Christmas season. Not just that, it's how we maximize our relationship with God. They did three things. The first was they paused. There's this announcement. The angel is before them and they, they turn off the distractions to focus on what is going on. They heard the message. They listened to what was going on. I found early on in my marriage that I am not good at multitasking. That if I was doing one thing and my wife would start talking to me, that I thought I could do both of those things simultaneously. Sometimes I thought that I could be watching a sports game or watching TV and my wife would be having an important conversation. And I thought that I was doing both of those things because I would, I would nod and I'd say, uh-huh, and I'd be going through the process. And then at some point, she would hit me because I was saying, uh-huh, and nodding. And that wasn't the response that she was looking for. And I didn't realize how frustrating that was until we had children. And now my kids... We'll be sitting on the couch, and they'll be watching a show, and I will say something to them. And no, I mean, they, don't even, they haven't even picked up the habit of saying, yeah, uh-huh, okay, like they're just nothing, nothing. I literally will pick up a throw pillow. That's the only thing they're good for. That's why we call them throw pillows. And we'll chunk it at my kids across the room. And they'll be like, what, Dad, what was that? So I said your name seven times. I got nothing. You really want to get their attention, you turn off the TV, and it's like, what happened? What was that? In life, I, I find that it is so deceiving that we think that we can multitask. We think that we can do all these things simultaneously at the same time. Some of you think that you can operate your car while also texting and you really can't. Those of us that have been behind you at a stoplight are 100% sure of that. But you keep doing it over and over again. We think we can do all these things simultaneously, and what happens is we get so busy with doing all this stuff that we don't end up doing any of this stuff well with intentionality. The first thing that we have to do is we have to pause. We have to be able to stop, put aside the distractions and focus. C.S. Lewis in 1963 wrote something in an essay called The Seeing Eye that I think applies more so now than it did then. He's writing, oddly enough, about how to avoid God. He talks about finding God and avoiding God. And in this conversation, he says this about avoiding God. In our own time and place, avoiding God is extremely easy. Avoid silence, avoid solitude, Avoid any train of thought that leads off the beaten track. Concentrate on money, sex, status, health, and above all, on your own grievances. Keep the radio on, probably in our day, TV, Netflix, enter whatever other screen you want. Live in a crowd, use plenty of sedation. If you must read books, select them very carefully, but you'd be safer to stick to the papers. You'll find the advertisements helpful, especially those with a sexy or a snobbish appeal. That it's so easy to avoid God by doing the thing that we all so naturally fall into, and that is just being busy. We hate silence. We hate solitude. 
I, I, I've got friends that when you're over at their house, they just have the TV on all the time. Like they're not even watching it. It's just on in the background because they don't like it being off. We sometimes get so busy that we don't ever stop and pay attention and listen and focus. The first thing the shepherds did is that they paused. The first thing that we have to do to experience Christmas is to pause. Don't get caught up in all this stuff and miss out on what is most important. The next thing we have to do is we have to pursue. That immediately after hearing the message from the angels, they make a decision, they make a choice. That they would pursue the truth that they had just been told. That they set off immediately. There's a couple key understandings that we get from the shepherds on how they pursue. That when the angel first talks to them, it says, the angel says to them, fear not, behold. So they, they set aside the fears that they had. They paid attention to the message. They focused on the message. And then in response to that message, they said immediately afterwards, let us go. And so they got up and went and pursued the truth that had been announced. They pursued Jesus. It wasn't enough that they just heard about this birth. That they recognized that they needed to pursue the birth. They needed to experience it themselves. And the last thing that they did is they praised. It says as they go back in verse 20, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. When they paused and they recognized the truth. It caused them to pursue that truth for themselves, to experience that truth for themselves. And when we experience Jesus, when we experience the purpose and the meaning of Christmas, when we recognize that God, the creator of the world, someone so infinite we cannot even fathom or comprehend, that he stepped into our finite world as a baby, which is something that is just crazy, and yet that is what happened. And that God did it in order that he would live a sinless life and die on a cross for you and for I. And when that truth becomes real in my life and in your life, when that truth becomes real in my heart, when I pause and I reflect and I pursue and I comprehend and I grasp, the overflow of that is life change. That it causes me to praise God. Now the shepherds, they didn't have a whole lot in life to praise God for. They had a whole lot of reasons to complain. But once they experienced Jesus, the perspective of their life shifted and nothing else mattered. They didn't care about their social standing. They didn't care about their wealth. They cared about praising Jesus in spite of those things. For us to experience Christmas, we have to pause. We have to pursue. We have to praise. God coming and making the announcement about the birth of Jesus to shepherds is a way of declaring to the entire world that Christmas is for everyone. Christmas is for me, and Christmas is for you.